thank you for coming to our service. Uh, I see that you've already quarantined your speaker. You know your pastor spits when he talks. So I was going to actually preach from up here this morning to keep everybody safe. But since you've already social distanced me, uh, we'll, we'll be fine where we're at. So we are uh, excited to wrap up for the second time our love series. If you were here last week, I kind of wrapped up the series, and then I thought, no, I want one more shot at it. And so we're, we're wrapping up Love Week. How many of you did something, participated in Love Week this week? All right. I, I received lots of emails, got some pictures. We're going to show you a video here in just a second. Ben, I'll tell you when we need that bumper video uh, to be ready. Uh, but we've got a, a little video to show you some pictures that were sent in. But a lot of people didn't send in pictures. They just said, Pastor, we didn't take any pictures. We just wanted to say, hey, we did this during Love Week. And I appreciate that. Uh, lots of uh, incredibly good ideas. And what I love the most about Love Week, and if you're new and, and just uh, hearing this for the first time, the challenge was to go out and to show love in a tangible way uh, on your own. It wasn't organized by the church. It was you doing it uh, on your own in the way you want to show love to somebody. What I found incredibly encouraging was the creativity that people did things they were passionate about. Uh, you'll see pictures on the screen in just a little bit. If you know the Mao family, Ed Mao, he has a wonderful garden. I mean, it's incredible. I, I love to go over there. It's a whimsical garden. It's huge. And what they did was they prepared salads and delivered fresh salads to people. Uh, and I thought, that's who they are. I love that. Their creativity. I know the Chestnuts have a baseball team that they've uh, kind of supported and helped. They took the whole team out for ice cream. I love that. It was wonderful. Some of you have police officers in your family and that touched you. So you went out and did something for the police department. Uh, I thought that was uh, encouraging. So many things that were done this week uh, during Love Week. And Love Week doesn't have to end. I'd encourage you that uh, the plan that I had was to do something to kickstart you to thinking about how you can show love without the church organizing it for you. And so uh, I, I, I love that. I love that idea. I'm going to ask you to think about it while you watch the video. Get Somebody give me a thumbs up if you're ready for the video. Is it ready? Um, while the video is playing and you're watching just a couple of the pictures, if you did something in, in Love Week and you want to come explain what you did, uh, the mic is ready. And uh, I know that we're uh, pretty shy and somebody's got to break the ice to do that. Uh, but I would love to hear from you what Love Week, what you did, but also what it meant to you. Uh, and we'll, we'll do that right after this video plays. Go ahead and roll it. Don't you know love is the greatest thing that the world has ever known. Appreciate those pictures that you guys sent in. 
Just so you know, I, I took the trip yesterday, made it there just in time to see our friends from Camp Barakel. Camp Barakel came to their pickup places, uh, one in Lansing and one in Flint. That's where they pick up their campers usually. And uh, friends, you would be amazed, uh, just to catch you up if you haven't heard, they had their workshop burned down, all their tools, all their supplies uh, gone, several vehicles burn up. Really neat God things happen though, their buses, they have a whole slew of buses, and their buses uh, were not touched by this fire, even though they were at as close as some of the other vehicles that did burn, uh, none of their buses were touched. Uh, they had a, uh, a truck that was right where the buses were, and the, the uh, Chevy bow tie emblem melted right off the front of the truck, but nothing touched their buses. They were very grateful for that. So they just traveled to those two locations yesterday and asked people if they wanted to drop off some tools to help them, uh, and you wouldn't believe, when I got there yesterday at about 3.30, they had a large trailer, probably a uh, 15-foot trailer full to the top of tools, and they brought one of their buses down, and it was full every seat of tools. And you saw the picture on the screen. Oakwood, you guys stepped up in a great way. I took over a $1,000 in, in Home Depot gift cards to them yesterday and won $50 from Lowe's. I thought it was just funny. One, one, one Lowe's. One person liked Lowe's. I like that. Uh, and they were thrilled. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, um, it, it's great to get tools, but I said, hey, listen, we want you to go buy what you want to buy. And you can fill in the gaps from here. And uh, they were thrilled with that. And so what a blessing you were. Does anybody want to share what you did for Love Week? I know I'm asking a lot. I won't make it too uncomfortable for too long, but I'll give you a second. Anybody willing? I usually can tell by looking at people's eyes if they're thinking about coming and all of you are avoiding eye contact. And everybody's kind of like, no, pastor, no. All right. All right, if you don't want to share, that's fine. Um, I, I do want to explain some of the pictures. Uh, how many of you noticed uh, the pictures of people playing uh, with water guns? And you were like, oops, they, they made a mistake. They threw in the wrong pictures. No, that was actually somebody's great idea. Uh, Mark Rodell and family put on their love shirts, went to parks all over Lapeer, and just asked people if they wanted to play water fight. And they handed out water guns, and they just wanted to bring joy to people, to have fun during this time. And they thought, oh, this is really a bad idea. This is never going to work. Nobody's going to take us up on that. Everybody did. <laughs> and they had a great day. They just handed people water guns and went at it and had a wonderful time. I thought that was a really good idea. Love. Everybody say love. Pray with me this morning, would you? Would you say this prayer? God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray you'd be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and I pray that Satan would be horrified in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to jump into this and, and give you just a couple of thoughts today as we were wrapping up this whole Love Comes to Town series. The big idea for today the sign of the saved is their love for the least. This is actually a, a message I heard years and years and years and years ago by Max Lucado. I love Max Lucado. You might say Lucado. I say it the right way, Lucado. You say potato. I say potato. It doesn't matter. Max Lucado. I love him. He's my favorite author and uh, one of my favorite speakers. And he gave a whole message on this. I'm not giving that message today, but I, I've always looked back at that message as a key part of my understanding about loving people. Just loving people and the importance of that. 
And I'm going to cover the idea of the word least there. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to see that word in association with a person. I love the least of these. I love you, so you must be really low. And, and that's not the idea at all in this passage. Uh, but I wanted to just uh, cover this with you today. It's going to be in Matthew 25, 31 through 40. Open up your Bible, turn on your app, get something in front of you. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. And the key verse is the last verse in that set. So let me read the whole thing for you right now. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on the right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's the key verse today, that last verse in that little section. Whatever you did for the, the least of these, you did it unto me. You did it for me. As I've been encouraging you to, to love and to show love, uh, I, I want you to know that when we do that, we're doing it directly to Christ. He receives that gift of love to somebody else as a gift to him. That's how he sees it. I love that in this passage that he directly is affected by our love of other people. I want to give you this for the last time. I've been trying to just grind this into you. I love it because my wife, will, during the week, my wife will try to, to quote the quote. She's like, yeah, love, willing, uh, selfless. And, and she tries to put those three words together. I hope at the end of this series you can at least remember those three pivotal words in the definition of love. Love is, say those three words with me, selfless, willing, sacrifice. Okay, come on now, let's wake up a little bit and not sound like a bunch of monks in a monastery. Love is selfless, willing, sacrifice. That's what love is. Love has to be selfless because if it's selfish, it can't be love, right? Remember that? The opposite of love is selfishness. So the positive part of love is it is selfless. And love must be willing. It can't be compulsive. It can't be you have to. No, it has to be something you're willing to do. That's why I love the Love Week Challenge. Go out and do something that you want to do. Something that makes you uh, excited and passionate about serving. Love is willing. And love is a sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I'm sore. I'm still sore. My back hurts. My legs hurt. Everything aches this week because we did some love that took some back work this week. And, and you know what? Every time I feel the pain, I'm thinking, but it was good. You ever have that pain that feels so good? Because you know why it's there. You know, pulling weeds is not my favorite thing. 
But Janela's service is one of my favorite things. We got to go over to Janela's house and just serve on a widow. And just uh, kind of a little bit selfish because I like hanging out with her. So we got to not only love her, but we got to love from her. And oh, what a, what a blessing. What a blessing to feel sore and tired, right? Uh, yesterday, trying to make all the things happen that I was supposed to do, uh, my wife told me you need to go to Rochester to pick up these little... Uh, what is it, uh, bunt cakes, some bunt cake place out there. You know what I'm talking about? What is it? Nothing, nothing bunt cakes? Yeah, 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 yeah. My wife said, you just got to go pick these things up. We got a bridal shower. And I'm like, I can do that. I can do two hours to get from here to there. Two hours because of construction. I was not happy. And then I had to hurry and get from Rochester all the way up to Flint before the Barrakel bus left. I'm telling you, I'm flying. We're passing people. I'm, Get out of the way, pastors in a hurry. And we're, I'm flying up 75 and 69 trying to get there. And of course, construction comes to a stop. Oh, love sometimes is sacrifice. Sometimes you pay the price. Sometimes it's stressful. But it's selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even when that person is not deserving and without expecting anything in return. We do it because we love. We do it because we received great love, amen? How many of you received great love from God, amen? And so we give out of that reserve, and God is never wanting in the reserve tank of love. So this morning, I see a couple things in this passage. Number one, we're going to fly through the first two. It's really not part of what I want to preach, but it's in the passage. Number one, the shepherd sees his sheep. If you got your notes, fill that in. If you got your app, you just click on it and then fills it in for you. The shepherd sees his sheep. I don't want to get into the whole thing, but the Bible says there's coming a day, there's going to be a judgment, and Jesus will know who his are. And I don't want to get into the whole sheep and goats thing. You you farmers know the difference between a sheep and a goat. Really, I don't. They're both furry and stink. But sheep and goat aren't the same, I guess, apparently. And and it's just an analogy. You know that the Bible calls Jesus the great shepherd and we're the sheep. And, and so we, we get the analogy. But but apparently on the judgment day, the shepherd sees his sheep. Hey, you, you're one of them. You're one of them over here. You, 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 you're over here. Don't worry about it. We'll tell you about it later. Yeah, everybody has, and, and he gathers his sheep. They're separated out. He knows who's his are. He takes care of that. Second thing, the shepherd saves his sheep. The shepherd sees his sheep, and the shepherd will save his sheep. I'm spraying everywhere. That's why you're distance, right? The shepherd sees his sheep. The shepherd saves his sheep. You try it. That's hard to do. The Bible tells us he will gather all nations. And by the way, this is not going to be a national judgment. Don't get that wrong. He's making a clear point that anybody who's not of Jewish descent, all the other peoples, Gentile people, that's everybody. All the other people will be judged. And he'll separate the sheep, not sheep countries. He'll separate all the sheep individuals over here, all the goats over here. And he saves his. I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to move on because this is what I want to talk about. His sheep are sacrificially serving When you look at this passage, what do you see? The shepherd says, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he says, I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was sick. And I was in prison. And you 
did. You did. See, it's love. Now, I want to make a very clear point. Eyeballs here. When you read this passage, you could get this wrong and think that all I need to do to get to heaven is just be loving. It looks like this is the passage where Jesus says, you did all these good things, so therefore you're in. No, I want to make a clear, clear definition of what Jesus was saying. He's saying, I know my sheep, and these are my sheep. My sheep are people that do these things. That's their mark. That's their birthmark. Not they do them in order to get to heaven, but they are my sheep and therefore they do these things and they're distinctively different. Are you with me now? You need to understand when Old Testament times they had a mark, there was a clear sign of who was following God. That was circumcision. I'm glad we moved on from that. There's a new sign. The old sign was circumcision. The new sign is a circumcised heart. There's a change in the heart. So God's people, the truly saved, the sign of the saved is their love. Everybody say love. They don't love to get to heaven. They love as a sign of who they are. It's the marker today. It's the identifier today. The the sheep are sacrificially serving. John 13.35 is about love. In John 13.35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In another passage of that it says, like I have loved you. We love like Christ loved. And that's a sign of who we are. It doesn't make us who we are, but because of who we are, that's what we do. Are you following me? Somebody say, yes, PD. This is tricky stuff that you could get wrong that I want to make sure you get right today. When God saves you, he changes you. Amen? How many of you are glad I'm not the same that I used to be? Come on. Mm -hmm. How many of you are glad uh, Bill Miller's changed? Amen? Hallelujah. How how many of you are are thrilled that Stan Walls is a different creature than he used to be because he used to be creaturish? Amen. Oh, yeah. God is in the business of changing people. And when he changes people, there's a sign that shows. And that's got to be love. That's what the Bible says. That's what I told you. The greatest thing is love, Jesus said. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the marker. You don't do it to earn it, but if you have it, you ooze it. You just ooze it. It comes from you. Obviously, the question today is the sign of the saved is a love for the least, then how is it oozing out of you? How is it oozing out of you? Benjamin Franklin, and I don't know if he's one of the ones that we're supposed to tear down or not. I don't know. It's getting hard to keep track of who's bad or who's good anymore, who made mistakes and who didn't. But Benjamin Franklin, I don't care anything about his politics or what he did or did wrong or did I do want to talk about what he did do at one point. He wanted to convince people that lights outside were a good thing. So instead of traveling around making speeches, Benjamin Franklin took a brass lantern, polished it, and he hung it outside his home. 
He did it every night. He would take the lantern down, polish it up, clean it up nice, get the bright light, and put it out in front of his door, hang it on a, a stick up high. And it would give light. Back then, they didn't have lights around, and so you would see his light. If you were a block away, you'd, what in the world's that? It would draw you in. And when you got there, you would see the kindness of a light saying, don't trip on the cobblestone. You can see it. He did it night after night. And then eventually people near him started thinking, that's pretty cool. I like, I like the way that lights up that area. It's pretty safe over there. And they started hanging lights out in front of their house. And it spread all across the land. How many of you have a front porch light? Thank Benjamin Franklin. Did he do it by speeches? Did he try to convince people? He set an example. And that's what I'm talking to us about love. Church, we have a great opportunity to set an example. You can't run out to the world and tell them love is better than hate. You can't go out there and tell them that love is a, a better... No, but we do love. And you will be known... They will know you are believers. They will know you are Jesuses if you love one another. God changes us. Matter of fact, take a step away from the slides and go to this one. It's about tremendous transformation. What does the Bible say? The Bible says you must be born again. John chapter 3, Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus. How can I know that I'm born? How can I know that I'm going to heaven? And, and Jesus says, you must be born again. Apparently, uh, you had no spiritual life. You're dead spiritually, so you must be born spiritually. It's a new life. Everybody say new. See, there's a transformation that takes place when we become believers. A transformation. The second thing is we die to sin. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Romans 6, 1 and 2 reads like this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? There's a death. Not only is there a birth to new life, born again, but there's a death to the old self. That's transformation. That's change. Everybody say change. See, I'm trying to get you to understand the sheep. Jesus knew his sheep. He knew who they were. They were ones that loved people. They loved people. Not only are you born again, not only are you dying to sin, you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite verses, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is, a new, is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So what's new about you? What's new about you, believer? What's changed in you since God's got a hold of you and made you born again, dead to sin? New creation, transformed. You can't stay the same. I'll take a little break and talk to you about the goats. Apparently the goats didn't know what was going on. Because the goats responded, well, we didn't see you naked. We didn't see you sick. We didn't see you in prison. We definitely would have helped you, Jesus. We'd only known. But the goats weren't known for loving other people. As much as the Bible says they'll know you're Christians by your love, the Bible also says there's a mark of those who do not know Christ, and that is a lack of love or selfishness. Do you see why it's so important that we have that crucified in us, that it dies, that selfish streak? 
as believers, we're changed, we're transformed. Not only are we born again, dying to sin, a new creation, but there's a regeneration in Titus 3 in verse 5. Titus 3 in verse 5 says, He saved us, not because of works done by righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Changed. Changed. I think it was Matthew Henry said, if a sinner got into heaven unchanged, he'd pick the angels' pockets. Nobody's going to enter into heaven unchanged. And that's the key that you understand today as we go through this whole love series. Love comes to town. It should come out of us because of who we are. Not because of what we have to do. It's because of who we are. It's the difference between... uh, uh, a cat and a hog. Uh, you should be able to tell the difference, but there's a big difference between their like of mud. A cat. A cat falls in the mud, and what he does is he spends the rest of the day in the corner cleaning himself off because he hates the mud. If you've got a cat that gets dirty, they clean themselves. I'm not advocating cats. I don't like them at all. But if you've got a cat, they like to be clean because they hate the mud. There's something different between a cat and a hog, though. See, a hog loves the mud. A hog wallows in the mud. And if you clean the the hog off, he wants to find the mud again. Right? That's the difference between our response to sin as believers. It's the difference between committing acts of sin and living in sin. We no longer live in sin. We die to sin. And we live to righteousness. We love other people. That's who we are. And then a a, a last thing, and I'll give you one more quote and then one last point. God never forgives a person he does not change. He never lets us into heaven unless he gets heaven into us. He never saves us from hell unless he gets hell out of us. He changes our heart and our character. He changes our life. So again, what's new about you? What's new about you? As a pastor, one of my biggest fears is that somebody would come to Oakwood and feel very comfortable in their church going, and that's the extent of it. That's my biggest fear. That anybody would sit under the teaching of God's word and then go to the judgment and God says, okay, you're a goat, go over there. What? What do you mean I'm a goat? I went to church. What? What Matthew gives us a picture of that judgment day, and that's exactly what happens. Many, the Bible says, many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord, I was in church. I did good things. But they were unchanged. They didn't become sheep. They stayed goats. They didn't get new life. They weren't dead to sin. They weren't regenerated. It was just maybe behavior modification. Oh, friends, eyeballs here. I I hope you don't think your pastor's preaching behavior modification. That's not my goal. My goal is not preaching behavior modification. My goal is preaching Jesus. And if you get to know him, he'll change you. He'll change you. He'll change your life. So what's new about you? Adrian Rogers says this, God doesn't change us so that he can love us. He loves us in spite of of ourselves, who we are, so he can change us. God loves us so he can change us. He doesn't change us so he could love us. So many things we could get backwards and upside down today, and I just want to encourage you. If you're a sheep, 
if there's been a time in your life when you've come to God and said, God, please save me. That's done by grace through faith. Not by works. Matter of fact, this is our last point today. His sheep are selflessly surprised. His sheep are selflessly surprised. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The thing I love most about this passage is when Jesus says, Come, sheep. I was sick. I was in prison and you vid- I needed water and you gave me cool water. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes. And I love what his sheep say. <gasps> Jesus, when were you naked? We don't remember that. When, when did you go to jail? We didn't remember that. When were you sick? We would have sent a card. I mean, the sheep are totally lost on this. They're like, well, I'm glad we're not over in the goat section, but, but what, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And what Jesus says is, yes, whenever you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. Now, let's talk about that least thing. Is Jesus saying that certain people are lower crust or lower? No, not at all. What we get is a two-view thing going on here. The overview of the whole thing is Jesus is viewed down and he sees and he knows his sheep. There's no fool in him. We got a view from heaven and we're all sheep and goats. <laughs> and he knows the difference. But then all of a sudden he, he shifts the view to our worldly thinking. And even in, in that, he still says, brothers and these are my brothers and sisters, but the world views them as the least of these. The world views these kind of people as needy and hopeless and homeless. and That's how the world views them. I view them as my brothers and sisters. But view from heaven is that I love all of you the same. Y'all stinky sheep and goats anyway. I love y'all. But the world would say, those people in prison, oh man, don't spend your time on them. They're penitentiaries, right? They're supposed to be penitent. They're supposed to be paying for their crimes. Don't go give them, don't go give them mercy. Hungry? If you're hungry, get a job. We don't feed homeless people. They need to get off their butts and get to work. Get your own water. If you can't drink your own water, I don't need to be bringing you water. That's the world's view of the sick and oppressed crying out for help. The world would see those and think they're the least of these. But they're brothers and sisters of Christ. Julie and I have had the privilege of knowing Todd Heck and Greg. So two, I would say young men, but both of them are older than me. Greg Nesseth. The world would say they were mentally impaired. The world would use words like retarded. And yet I still pray that when I grow up, I could be a Todd Heck because Todd just loves everybody. With his special needs, man, he, he hasn't found anybody that he doesn't love yet. And if you get to meet Todd, you're going to love Todd. And Greg is the sweetest person I've ever met. Sweetest soul 
of all time. After being a youth pastor in Battle Creek for about five years, uh, I was invited to go to a, a Battle Creek Central basketball game with Todd. And I thought, well, that'll be a good youth pastor thing to do. I'll take the special needs kid and I'll go to the basketball game and, you know, that's a good thing to do. So I went with Todd thinking I was doing a, a great service. Come to find out pretty quickly that Todd was being very kind by inviting me. Because when we walked into that field house, everybody stopped to talk to Todd. And Todd would say, this is my pastor. This is my pastor. He was introducing me to everybody. The people on the court and the microphones were coming out of their seats to come see Todd. And I realized, oh my goodness. How come everybody loves this guy? Because all he knows is love. It's as simple as that. He loves. See, my point is this morning, the sign of the saved is the love for the least. That's not how you get saved. Please don't get that wrong. You'll never be able to love enough to earn your salvation. It won't won't work that way. But if you get gloriously saved, he transforms you from the inside out and you start to live a life of love. We start to see people as as people that are in need of God's love. And and we're that conduit. God left us here. You're you're my hands and my feet, he says. So we get to be God's love in other people. So how you loving? Love comes to town every time you show up. Love comes to town. Love Week was fun. I hope you got uh, into it. If you didn't, I'm not condemning you. I just encourage you to give give it a try. On our way to go to Janela's house, we stopped and had breakfast, the three of us, and enjoyed a good breakfast. And then I just thought that this waitress could use some love. And so I took our bill and doubled it and gave her the tip. And, and just didn't even say a word and just left. I don't even know how she responded, but she had to think it was a mistake. But you know, it just made me smile all day long. I thought, this love thing is fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's, it really is enjoyable. It's a better way to live. I think... The sign of the saved is their love for the least. And as you're doing it, you're doing it to Jesus. He receives that love as if it was directly given to him. So we should love. I'm going to ask the band to make their way here. They're going to just play a walkout song. And I'm going to ask them to turn off the cameras, if you would. Give me the high sign when the cameras are shut down. We're off live stream. Okay, we're off. All right, friends, listen. We got to do something. Sydney Adams, that sweet girl I showed you earlier, another one of those people who just loves everybody. Again, I, it would take God five lifetimes to teach me to love people the way Sydney loves people. Sydney, um, because of situations, was not able to go to her graduation at Brandon. But her mom and her family thought it would be really good if, if they watched it and, and put her, they put her in her gown and her cap in the backyard and put the live feed so they could hear her name, right? She couldn't walk across stage. Well, I'm not picking on Brandon at all. They didn't do anything wrong. But Brandon only announced the names of the seniors who were there. You know, you have your name and you hand it to the person, they read it. So at no fault of their own, Sydney's in her backyard in her cap and gown, couldn't go to her own graduation, and her name never got read. This sweet girl, all she wants is celebration. She just wants everybody to come together. That's what she wants. I, 
I think this is one of those things where I think we ought to just go overboard, don't you? I, I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but I want you to help me. I want to go over the top to celebrate Sydney. I'm, I'm picturing a Sydney day with her cap and gown as she walks across stage, and I'm going to try to get all of Brandon's administration to come and read her name so she can have her moment. But then I want to just go over top with love. Don't you think sometimes we ought to just go overboard? And this sweet girl, she deserves something. I, I talked to her mom yesterday. I said, what does Sydney love? Tell me something she loves. She, she said, truly, Pastor, she just loves people to be together. I'm like, yeah, but we do that pretty easily. Let's do something bigger. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to put Oakwood's neck on the line. I'll put mine on the line. I'd like to do something big, like send Sydney and her mom someplace. I'm thinking like Disney. I'm thinking like big like a, a, something like, Sydney, we love you, and something she can be so excited about. Are you with me? If you're with me and want to help me, come, come alongside. I'll let you know how through an email. Keep it on the down low. It's going to be about a month or so before we can uh, do something physically with Sydney, but when we can, let's do it big, all right? Let's do it big and celebrate her. Thank you. Hey, listen, I'm going to pray, and uh, the band's just going to play us out. After I'm done praying, uh, I'm going to dismiss the last two or three rows, the last rows, and let you guys go while the rest of you stay for a little bit, give you some time to not be bottlenecked. And then after a little bit more, I'll dismiss the rest of you to leave. And, and I do encourage you when it's time to go, to go ahead and leave because we need to sanitize this whole room. Uh, we've got a fogger that we put in here and sanitize it. It needs to air out and plenty of time for the 11 o'clock crowd to come. Then we've got to go through and clean all the surfaces, every doorknob in the building and every flat surface. So we've got a lot of work to do for our 11 o'clock crowd. So what I'm saying is I'm not kicking you out, but you can't stay. All right? All right, let me just pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I pray, uh, I pray that you would just bless Oakwood, that they would know we're Christians by our love. God, that they would just, uh, that the world would see something different in us. God, that we would just love people unconditionally, look for reasons to love on people, uh, lavishing love, because you did that for us. Let that be our mark. Let that be what, what is the different shower. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.